and this is Father Toby live from Cambridge with the the Friarside. Apologies, this is slightly later than than advertised. Uh, the train I was anticipating catching didn't show up on the board. It turned out it did then run, but I got in one of the uh, marvelous paradoxes of the English railway system. I got on a train that departed before the train I wanted to get, and got in later than the train that I wanted to get. Uh, but there we go. I'm here now, and. Uh, I want to speak in in today's episode and and tomorrow um, on some some more reflections on the the resurrection and uh, and part of what I want to to say today is prompted by watching the three part series the the pilgrimage which um, has been on the the BBC the final episode um, aired on on Friday night and it was recommended by some of the the members of our sort of uh, volunteers and friends WhatsApp group on Radio Maria. One of the, the lovely things about this radio is the, is the way that it that builds up community. And if, if you want to get on um, that WhatsApp group and join some of the conversations that happen off the air, then do please get in contact with us and we can add you. Um, but one of the volunteers recommended uh, watching it and the program charts uh, a group of what the BBC described, I think, as uh, seven well-known uh, celebrities uh, I had heard of heard of two of them, which maybe shows uh, how tenuous what counts for a celebrity is today, or the fact that I'm out of touch with a uh, celebrity culture. If it's the latter, I'm not that bothered. Um, but the two that I had heard of um, were Sue Pollard, who I remember watching from Heidi High, and then there was uh, Shane, who had been in the band. Uh, I can't remember now whether it was Boyzone or Westlife. Um, one of the one of the sort of uh, Irish boy bands that uh, that sort of dominated the charts in the in the 90s and my childhood and these uh group of pilgrims they um began in uh, I think it was in in northern somewhere in northern northern Portugal uh, in Port, in Porto perhaps and they made their way down to down to Fatima and they were uh, a very sort of mixed um bunch of pilgrims uh, there was a, a, a Muslim amongst them, a, a sort of secular Jew, uh, one Catholic, a, a non-practicing Anglican, um, and uh, sort of people who had sort of like vague, vague, vague belief in a in a higher power, um, I guess. And but what's really interesting and and has been my experience of, of pilgrimage is the way that when people uh, go on pilgrimage, sort of bigger questions crop up. And uh, and they learn from from one another, and unlikely people form strong uh, friendships. And uh, and perhaps the the lady who I liked um, most uh, of of all the pilgrims, uh, rather embarrassing, I can't remember her her name, but she was a, a sort of an online influencer and, and YouTube star from uh, Newcastle, and she just had a really sort of lovely, open disposition. And in one very moving scene she'd seen the uh, the muslim pilgrim sort of praying and seeing how much his faith meant meant to him and uh, and she said that she would like to have something like that in her in her life um but 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 doesn't um and uh, in in this sort of final episode uh, which i i watched on sort of iplayer last night with one of the other friars and and you'd be able to watch the the whole series it, it sort of brought the the recollections of of all the the pilgrims to, together 
and uh, it was both uh, an, an enjoyable, uh, a moving, and uh, and an exasperating episode. Um, enjoyable uh, because they were they were nice people, and uh, and they they got on really well, and were were very good to one another, and they were clearly moved by some of the experiences that they had. Exasperating because the level of religious literacy was just so so low. Um, and this was characterized in some way by uh, Shane, the former boy band member who um, grew up in Ireland and was raised notionally Catholic and now later in life had sort of embraced Pentecostalism in, in quite a serious way. And, uh, and all his instincts um, and, uh, were, were very, very correct. And, and, his, and he was a man of real, or is a man of real integrity, it seems, um, and he sort of hated all the stuff that went around Catholicism with the with the saints and and with and with Mary, because he believed that these were things that sort of get in the way of the worship of God, as opposed to help us in the in the worship of of God. And you realise that just with a little bit of teaching, he could have been helped to see more clearly the the reality of the 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 cult of the of, of the saints the the veneration of of relics the the intercession of uh, of of saints and the and the role of of mediator as our as our blessed as our blessed mother um but the others were with the exception of the the muslim pilgrim um far less well informed than shane and in conclusion what most of them with with the exception of the the catholic said that they thought was important in life and what they'd, they'd learned was that all that really matters is that you be kind. Um, that kindness is the, is, is the most important, important thing and that, that's what counts in the end. And sometimes you, you feel like a terrible person as a priest when you sort of hear this and you think, I need to preach against, uh, against this sort of message. Because uh, not against being kind um, but I am against sort of kindness as, as ultimate value or as sort of end in, its, in itself. And uh, some of you might remember when we were reading from uh, the excellent book, uh, The Love That Is God by Deacon Frederick Christian uh, Bowerschmidt. And he quoted from Julian of, of Norwich and, uh, and on her writings on, on kindness. And she spoke about the importance in in being kind of knowing what type of what what kind of thing a thing is because if we don't know what kind um, a thing something is if we don't know its nature if we don't know what its end if we don't know what it's flourishing if we don't know what it's made for what it's been created for if we don't know these things then we can't truly be kind to it because if we were to say we were being kind by sort of encouraging someone or just being nice to them but we were encouraging them um in a in a in a goal which would out ultimately lead to their their downfall or their destruction um, then that wouldn't really be kind even though it might come with all the all this the sentiment um of of kind of kindness and so what's desperately needed in our society and our, and our, and our preaching, I think, is a, is a movement um, from the, the sentiment of kindness into a, into a substantive idea of what, of what kindness is. But it struck me um, in, in one of the very final uh, 
parts of the program, which was just before the, the torch-lit uh, procession in Fatima, when uh, a number of the pilgrims went to, uh, went to go and light candles at the shrine. And what, what struck me as somebody who's been burst was just how cheap the candles were there. Um, astonishingly cheap and very large candles. Um, you know, we want to light a lot of candles. It might even be worth a, a cheap uh, EasyJet or Ryanair fare to, to Fatima. Massive candles, very cheap. Uh, but there was a lot of tears as there was the lighting of, of candles as people placed their, their, their candles and their prayers alongside the prayers of so many other people. And most of the people lighting candles were, were lighting them for, for, for the dead, for people who, who had sort of died and who were loved and who were lost and who were missed. And kindness can't do anything about the reality of death and the pain of separation. Oh, kindness can't, can't deal with that. Kindness, we can be kind to the person who, who's grieving, but what they ultimately want is, is hope. And kindness, sentiment cannot supply hope. Um, and so I think in the, in the face of, of death and the pain of separation, there are really sort of two, well, two, two, two options which the world seems to embrace right now and which most of our pilgrims it, um, embraced. And, and the, the first one was this sort of vague hope um, this sort of hope that, that everything will just somehow be okay in the end, um, with no sense of sort of how we'll be reunited or how we might get to, to heaven. Um, but, a but a hope that, that sort of allows me to, to not, to, to ignore the problem, uh, really, uh, to ignore the sort of the reality of the, the seeming finality of death without a, a concrete idea of there being something more and i think this this sort of non-christian hope is is characterized me in the in the saying which some people now say thinking they're sounding quite profound it doesn't sound especially profound to me but when they say i believe that the universe has a plan um, and i always want to say well, what do you mean by that and what is the universe and is it sentient and is it does it have a personality and if it has a personality how is this sort of personality of the universe different from what we would describe as god and if the universe has a plan you know how will i become part of that plan how will i cooperate with that plan the idea of a plan suggests that there are things in which i can go against a, a, a plan um not just with it or the alternative to this sort of vague slightly wishy-washy hope is a is a nihilism um the the sort of nihilism of, of facing the 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 annihilation of death the belief that we are uh, living a, in a purely material universe with no spiritual realm or at least if there is a spiritual realm that there is no spiritual um, aspect to humankind and so then sort of in a in a in a stoic or in a dis, uh, stoic way, staring down death and saying, sort of, I refuse to bow to death, even though I will ultimately be annihilated. Or there can be a, a sort of nihilistic uh, despair. Um, but the Christian response is neither of these things. The Christian response opens, has eyes wide open to the reality of death, but also has a hope of the resurrection. 
Um, St. Peter says, sort of, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you. And I think normally when we, when we read this, this line from St. Peter, we think immediately of the, of the need to do apologetics. Um, and apologetics is important, and I'm going to do some of uh, that after our first music break. Um, but even more important, I think, is to say that the reason for our hope is the resurrection. The resurrection is the, is the ground of our hope. We can speak about why we have reasons to hope in the resurrection, but it's the, it's the, it's the, the resurrection that comes first. And that's why the, the resurrection was the, 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 the initial proclamation of the, of the gospel by the, by the, the disciples and the apostles was that Christ is, is risen. Um, the initial proclamation of the gospel was not first and foremost a moral code. It was not that Jesus is love. It was not that Jesus said to live in a particular way. It was that Jesus was crucified for our sins and on the third day he rose again. Um, so we're going to go to a little bit of music now. We're going to uh, listen to uh, Christus, uh, Christus Vincit, um, sung by the, uh, the choir of, of King's College, sort of as arranged by Martin Baker. And then after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to look at some reasons for why we hope in the resurrection. Listening to Radio Maria England and the Friarside, and this is Father Toby with you with some reflections on the the resurrection. And uh, 
having just sort of outlined in that first part of the program the way in which the resurrection is that is the grounds of our of our hope the resurrection is the way um that we can look at the the reality of death head on and uh, and not despair um not have to ignore death um, nor be cowered by it i now want to to look at some of the the grounds for for belief in in the re- in the resurrection and in what follows i'm going to largely be utilizing the the book the case for for jesus um which is by a, a brilliant brilliant scholar called um brant Petra. he writes at the the popular level incredibly well and also at a at a very sort of high academic level and i'd really recommend sort of dipping into his his readings or, or more than that don't dip in thoroughly immerse yourself um but this is from one of his more popular works the case for jesus the biblical and historical evidence for Christ, and the the first the first thing that sort of Petra makes clear in the in the chapter of the on the resurrection is is exactly what the resurrection is, and that was what I was I was taking you through in the in the previous episode of the the Friarside, which went out live last uh, last Thursday, I think, and um and this was sort of on the fact that the resurrection is is bodily um christ is resurrected body and soul and there are numerous sort of occasions in which people think they've seen a a a ghost and christ is at pains to point out that no he's not a ghost that he is he is risen risen bodily um and so the the resurrection is is neither a ghost um nor is it this sense that the apostles had that the the spirit of christ was somehow living on amongst them despite his his death um that 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 sort of line of reasoning also doesn't sort of answer the question that the the empty tomb uh, poses and nor is it the understanding that the the apostles clearly had the spirit of christ would come and dwell with the apostles um but that would be manifested in great glory at at pentecost the resurrection wasn't pentecost though pentecost would come um and nor is the uh is is the resurrection just that they felt that christ was sort of um you know sort of giving giving them hope um the resurrection is a is a is an actual reality and christ eats with them and he preaches to them and he is with them body and soul so um it's important to deal with what the resurrection is is not um and then as i said to deal with what the resurrection um actually actually is the uh, the, the the rising body and soul of christ and if we think about it that answers our most fundamental need um because i would imagine for if if somebody said to you you know in in heaven would you would you like to be with those you love just as your soul or would you like to be with them body and soul um body and soul would be the answer uh, because the the body is the is the sacrament of the human of the human person um and it's through the the body that we we manifest our our love for people and through the through the body that we receive the love of others and so the the human being without the without the body is not is not freed but rather is is somewhat incom incomplete um so let's now turn to the to the big question of 
why did anyone believe in the resurrection of Jesus? And the thing that we observe when we, when we look at the scriptural um, accounts is that this is not a gullible era as so many skeptics seek to, seek to portray um, the, the apostles and the disciples and the whole sort of culture of that time as simply being a group of gullible, gullible people who are, who are sort of very happy to just sort of believe in the fact that somebody has risen from the, from the dead. What uh, all the accounts show us is in fact that there was the skepticism that we would have if somebody was to go and say, oh, you know that person whose funeral you were at yesterday, they've, uh, they've, risen, they've risen from the dead. That the initial skepticism that we would have about that claim was, uh, was shared by those who, who did not um, witness the, resur the resurrection. Um, so that's the really important first point, that the Jewish or pagan people were not more gullible or credulous about miracles than modern people. And let's go to some examples of what I've, what I've just said. In Matthew 28, verse 16 to 17, we hear, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Well, then in Mark uh, 16, verses 12 to 13, after this, he appeared in another form to two of them, and they went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Or in Luke chapter 24, verses 10 to 11. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe. Or John Chapter 20, verse 25, Thomas said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Or finally, uh, Acts um, chapter 17 to 22 and verses 31 to 32. So Paul, standing in the middle of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, God has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. So these, these passages, I think, convincingly demolish any argument that the first Christians, whether they be Jew or Gentile, believed in the resurrection of Jesus because they were particularly gullible um, people or because people didn't seek the same sort of proofs that we would seek. The ancient people knew full well that ordinarily dead people stayed dead. So then it begs the question, if the fact of the resurrection was such a hard pill for so many to swallow. Why then did the disciples come to believe it? Um, and then the, the, the next question which will come after that um, is why would they die for it? And then the question that will follow that is and why would others who are not witnesses like the disciples and the apostles believe in their testimony? And the Gospels describe three major reasons why they, they believed and we'll go into, into these in a little more detail. Uh, tomorrow, but I'm just going to outline them now. The first is that the disciples came to believe in the resurrection because of the empty tomb. Um, the empty tomb is a is a consistent um, in all the the sources 
about the, the resurrection. All four of the, the Gospels tell us that on the Sunday of Passover week, the tomb in which Joseph of Arimathea had laid Jesus' body was empty. And we even hear of the, uh, the excuses for the empty tomb that those who want to discredit Christian belief in the resurrection try and come, try and come, come up with. The second reason people come to believe in the resurrection is because of the appearances of the risen Jesus to those who knew him. Um, and whilst the Gospels don't give much space to the resurrection, there are, there are still um, you know, at least uh, nine, nine appearances of the, the resurrected Jesus that we, that we have described between the, the Gospels and the, the writings of, of St. Paul. Um, and the third reason for believing in the resurrection, which is what we're going to begin with tomorrow, and is one which uh, not many people engage with at any length uh, apologetically, um, and which makes Petra's book um, so much more interesting and so much more useful. The third reason for believing in the resurrection is the fulfillment of Scripture. Um, you know, many people will point out how many of Jesus' disciples were willing to suffer and die for their faith in the resurrection, for example, Peter and Paul, both executed by Roman authorities. But that's not the sort of proof that we find in the New Testament. The writers of the New Testament aren't going to great lengths to explain why it's reasonable to trust the claims of Peter or James or John or Matthew or Paul or Mary Magdalene. Um, there are very reasonable um, reasons uh, which we will go into. But the scriptures themselves point repeatedly to the fact that Jesus' resurrection was the fulfillment of Scripture. And so on the Friar side tomorrow, we're going to go into what scriptures did Jesus' resurrection fulfill. Um, I'm just going to uh, give you one more piece of uh, music. Um, it's another, another setting of, uh, of Christus, Vincius Christus, uh, Regna Christus Imperat, this time uh, a Gregorian chant uh, setting, and then very shortly after that we will be praying the Angelus and going to the Mass at Walsingham. Um, but I look forward to, to you joining me uh, for a, another episode of the, of the Fireside um, tomorrow as we look into our reason for hope in the Resurrection. Do <laughs>